The morning sermon today, the name of it is The Force of Life. The Force of Life. It'll be coming from 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 18. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God bless the doers of his word. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me. Thirsty soul, hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain that's open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam the throne of life now it flows while the waters roll let the weary soul hear the call that for freely go will will you come to fountain free will will you come tis for you and me thirsty soul hear the welcome call tis a fountain a rock that's cleft and no soul is left that may not is pure water shed tis for you and me and it seems I see let us hasten joy Fully there. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me. Thirsty soul, hear the well. Tis a fountain open for all. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Paul says, And my speech and my preaching were not with pervasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of the power of God. You may be seated. want to say good morning. It's always good to know that God has given us yet another day to come and worship him in spirit and in truth and to give him all praise and honor which he is due. There are those who are visiting with us this morning and we welcome you, welcome you to 
Franklin Street Church of Christ. There are those who are visiting us virtual as well. We're grateful that God has allowed us to come together yet again for, for the opportunity to present ourselves before him as he has called us to do. You know, there are a lot of forces in our lives and some forces in our lives are more active than others. And there comes a time in our lives when you think about those forces and what they actually mean in our lives and how they affect our lives and those of our family, friends, and, and those that we work with as well. There will always come a time when we need to get our, our ducks in a row and, and come to our senses. We always want things to, to make sense to us before we can act upon it. So there was going to come a time when we need to, to come to our senses and allow for, for God's might to, to direct our lives. Come to our senses and allow God's power to, to protect us. And come to our senses and know that God's wisdom is what, what teaches us. Come to our senses and know that it's the eyes of God as we look through faith that gives us discernment. And we need God's ear that we might hear the things that that make us perfect in Christ. We need to come to our senses and know that God's word is for our cleansing. It's that meek and grafted word which can save our souls. There are a lot of forces that are active in our lives, but God, God is the active force in all of our lives. A lot of things don't make sense at all, but God said in Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven, he says, for unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You know, one thing that I understand in my life is that I cannot be fully prepared for a life of obedience to God through Christ until I learn, until I learn that God is the force in my life. I can't be fully prepared to, to serve God in any capacity until I learn that Christ, through God, is the force in my life. I can't fully be prepared in my daily life as a Christian for obedience to God until I learn that God, Elohim, that Jehovah God, that Jehovah is the force in my life. And that he's not only the force in my life, but that, that I'm allowing him to be active in my life. Because we, we make a choice for that. A lot of people that say they believe in God, but boy, I tell you, we're going to just leave that as it is. Until we determine that God is the force in our lives, there's absolutely nothing that we can do from our own human standpoint. I want to tell you that God is the force in our life in all of our lives, whether we choose it to be or not. He's a force in all of our lives, whether we choose to be obedient or disobedient to his call. God is the force of our life. And if you want to keep it real, when, when I truly get in touch with the force of my life, 
when I truly get in touch with God instead of talking about God, when I truly have a relationship with God as the force of my life, then I will discover the salvation that comes from God and the subsequent destiny that he has given me from his promises that awaits me in heaven. When I come in contact with God and know who God is and know that God lives in me and through me, I will discover the salvation that comes from God. I will live as though my life is saved by God. And I will get in touch with the destiny that awaits me in heaven as a result of the salvation that comes in and as his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So how do we get in touch with that salvation that comes from God? The question has always been asked for thousands of years, what must I do to be saved? Ephesians 2.8 says, it's by grace you're saved through faith. Your human mind, your human activities has nothing to do with it at all. He says, you're saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. It is amazing how we always want everything to make sense. But God's amazing grace does not make sense. Amazing grace works because it goes against the grain of common sense. We have hard-nosed common sense. And what that will tell us is that, that we're too wrong to meet the standards of a holy God. Hard-nosed common sense tells us that, that pardoning grace tells you that it's all right in spite of so much that, that, that is in you that is wrong. Grace pardons us because we are just plain wrong. And we can't pardon ourselves. That's the force of God. Realistic common sense tells you that, that you're just too weak and, and the world harasses you too much and, and, and you're too human to change for the better. We have a low self-image of ourselves when we look at the reality of what our lives has come to be outside of the ark of protection of God. But God's grace gives us power as we continue on our way to become a better person and every last one of us can always do better. Hard-nosed common sense, realistic common sense and just plain or ordinary common sense. Everybody wants everything to make sense. But, but, but plain common sense tells you that, that you're caught in a rut or a fate of futility. But the grace of God, the power of God, promises that, that you can trust God to have a better tomorrow for you than, than the day that you've made for yourself. And that change begins and, and, and shifting from common sense Shifting from the carnal nature to the spiritual nature, that change comes when we begin shifting from common sense to understanding God's power through his word. We can quote a lot of scripture, but is it in you? You can quote a lot of scripture, but, but do you live it? Everything doesn't make sense to us when it comes to God and it doesn't have to. Because we have to understand God's power through his word. That word is called faith. Faith. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Common sense. In John chapter 3, verses 3 through 9, in reply, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What? That don't make no sense, Jesus, Nicodemus said. How can a man be born when he is old? 
Surely he cannot enter a second time to his mother's womb to be born. I'm scratching my head on that one. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. How can this be? Have you ever struggled with the task of having to try to change? I'm not talking about trying to change somebody else because we struggle with that all the time. We want people to change the way we want them to be, but we don't want to change the way that God wants us to be. You ever struggle with that change? I'm talking about real change. I'm talking where the rubber hits the road. I'm not talking about this superficial change. I mean, I'm talking about a change that has to do with, with what makes you tick. I'm talking about changing your inner man from, from living your life and saying, you know what, I used to do this, but now. That's the kind of change that Nicodemus is looking at. It's standing right in the face, and he doesn't understand it because he's trying to use his common sense. You ever had that kind of change staring you in the face? It's the only change that comes through God's power. That's why Jesus says, you, you surprised? Don't be surprised at my saying. Just understand you must be born again. Because you don't even understand the wind. It goes north and south and east and west. It goes wherever it, where it wants to. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You can't tell where the Spirit is bringing you. You don't even know where it's coming from. Too many times, too many times we think that we're the forces in, in our lives and the force in our kids' lives. And, and even on our jobs, we want to be the man. Too many times we, we miss so much because we live on the, the low side of the natural. Too many times we miss a whole lot of things because we live on a level of the ordinary. And we live below the deck of the explainable. We want everything to be explained to us. And we leave no room for God to do the exceedingly abundant things that we can even ask or imagine. We pray to God all the time, Lord, do those things for me. Do the exceeding and abundant things that you promise. Do all those things that I can even think or imagine. We leave no room for God to do that. Because we want to do it ourselves. I got a hot one for you. I need you to hear this one. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. Faith makes no sense to the carnal mind. It's, it's no common sense involved. No hard-nosed common sense. Faith makes no sense to the realm of those in the carnal mind because it operates in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Listen to me. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible because faith in God begins where man's power and reasoning ends. Once you decide to put aside your own self, once you give up self for God, that's when God can take over, but you got to give it up. What must I do to be saved? You know, somebody used to ask that to me a long time ago. They still ask to me. But I used to answer that question a little differently than I do now. I would tell a person, what must you do to be, what must you do to be saved? Oh, you got to be baptized. 
Because that's, that's certainly essential. It's an essential step. But there's more to do than that. Listen to what I'm saying to you. There's no human effort that can give us salvation. What we do, our part is to hear God's word. Our part is to believe God's word. Our part is to confess our sins and repent before God. Baptism, you ain't got nothing to do with that. You make a decision to become baptized, I'm going to show you what God does when you get out of the way. We need a more definitive answer because to be saved, we must give our lives over to the power of God. And baptism represents the power of God. The power of God is in the blood of Christ. And that blood is represented in the watery grave of baptism. It signifies that you've turned your life over to God. Look what God did for us. We had nothing to do with it. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, at just the right time, you see, when we were powerless, we, we, we thought we had all the force in the world. We thought we was it. Strength everywhere. The Bible says Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. Verse number 8 is that prepositional phrase I love. But God. doesn't say but my daddy or but my mom or, or, or maybe my aunt might do. Nah, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners in the darkness, groping. While we were still sinners, doing those things that our flesh called us to do. While we were still sinners, caught up in his human mind, in the active forces of the world. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What power from God. While we were doing those things that we thought were right, and connecting God's name on it, we were sinners and at just the right time. You know, you know the greatest weakness among Christians today is that we, we, we're trying to design human systems to do only what God can do for us. We want a human system when it, when it comes to baptism. Listen, your part is to hear, believe, repent, and confess. And when you agree to baptism, let me show you what happens in baptism. This is God's part. No human can do this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Talking about the power of God in him. In him you were also circumcised with circumcision that was made without hands. This is, this is God's part. He circumcised our heart by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, we were baptized with Christ. Mm. Your part is to hear, believe, confess, and repent before God. It's not humanly possible that you can save yourself through the circumcision of the Spirit. You can't do that. That is the power of God. And that power of God, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised Christ from the dead, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raises you up from the water grave of baptism because in baptism, you die. Who can raise you from the dead? You can't do it. It is the power, the force of life from God. A lot of people, I heard a preacher say at a funeral about two weeks ago, he said too many people put, they put too much stock in baptism. I said, what? And I want to get up, but it was a funeral. 
I left it alone. Baptism now also saves you, saves you. Repentance won't do it. Confession won't do it. Alone, it will not do it. Baptism alone won't do it. But in baptism is where you meet God. Oh, and he performs an operation on the spirit of man. And he raises you from the dead to walk in a new life. Tell you something. When I exert too much effort in my flesh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. But when I step aside and let God do his work, things go a whole lot differently. I come out of the water of baptism as a new man. Imagine that. New man. Baptism is where I step aside from my own self-effort. Why? Because there is no glory for God and that which is humanly possible. I never saw any man walk up and say, you know what, I circumcised myself spiritually, now I'm in Christ. It's where I die. I have to die to self-effort. And when I die to self-effort, I, I, I inherit the force of life, I inherit the power of God because I become totally dependent upon God for my salvation because I can't save myself. And nobody else out there can save you either. They can't save you. If you're drowning in three feet of water and somebody throws you a lifesaver, if it's God's will that you die, <laughs> man can't save you. Can't. Can't do it. First Timothy chapter 2, chapter 1, verses 12 and 14. Paul tells Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. Oh, he's given me power. And he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Because once I was a blasphemer and a persecutor, I was a violent man. Does that sound familiar to any of you? But I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. It, all the stuff I was doing for God made, made sense to me. That's why. <laughs> But it was the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that didn't make sense, that was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The reason that God reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ is so we can salvage what is left of our lives. Oh, we made a mess of our life. We may have made a mess of it. And again, let me just say the reason why he came, because we were in our mess, so God sent a messiah. I'll get that one in a minute. He sent him so he can salvage what is left of our messy lives. And if you will just trust in Christ, not only for the death he died to redeem you, but also for the life he lives and, and, and he waits to live through you, the very next step that you'll take will be in the energy and the power of God himself. It's the very next step. And this is what it takes to be saved, to be part of the salvation that comes from God. Taking that step into the power and the might of God. Because too many times we think we just going along, just counting our blessings, just counting them, counting them, counting them. How many are you going to count? A lot of people count the blessings from God, but, but they don't acknowledge who God is. They don't. They don't. 
They want to do good outside in the world, but they don't want to do good for God. But they want the blessings that come from God. You're getting them every day. You can't breathe on your own. It's not humanly possible. You know what intrigues me? As big as your tongue is in your mouth, when you start chewing, it gets out the way. You're not doing that. You're not moving it. Just something as simple as that. Nothing that is humanly possible is reasonable when it comes to God. We want everything to make sense. We want it to be common sense. But those who are spiritual understand those things that come from God, and we give up the things in the world. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What are you going to say then? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase, so that grace may abound? By no means. Because we died to sin. Did you? And if you died to sin, how can we live any longer in sin? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and the death. <laughs> Nothing human, humanly possible about this. Nothing makes common sense about this at all. Buried with him through baptism and the death and all that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, but that same power will give you a new life as well. It's the power that we don't understand. The only power that we seem to understand is the power that we exert over other folks. And if electricity hits us, we understand it then. I want you to know this morning that salvation is through the power of God. Salvation is through the power of God. There are too many people out there that, that, that just taking God's word and they, they're wrestling with it and using it in ways that God did not intend. Context is king. It's king. Ever take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1? You know what it says? It says it's good for a man not to touch a woman and then there's a period right there. What you gonna do with that? Oh, but if that was the context of it, a lot of us would be going to hell right now, right? Man has been touching women for a long time and now as a result, women touching women. We ain't gonna fool with that one, no. But that's not the context of what God is saying. Amen? We can't just take scripture and use it for what we wanna use it for. Right? Salvation is through the power of God and not through man. Nothing you can do. It is a gift of God. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. And when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Listen to it. Not, not you. Not Christ. God saved us. And not because we were so righteous, but because of his power of his mercy mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit by the power of this holy spirit who he poured on us generously through jesus christ our savior so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs having hope of eternal life you won't get it any other kind of way hope of eternal life everybody wants to go to heaven but everybody don't want christ Everybody wants to go to heaven, but everybody don't want God. They don't want the church. Salvation is in Christ, but the power of salvation is only realized 
when Christ lives in you? Does he live in you? Because there's a difference between being in Christ and Christ living in you. Being baptized into Christ puts you into the church. But how many people have walked away from Christ and Christ is no longer living in them? Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27. Listen to God. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. It don't make no sense. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, well, how, how can Christ live in me? Let me tell you something. Christ living in you is your only hope. For without him, you can do nothing. Nothing. Everybody thinks they're doing things on their own. Oh, I got this. I got it. <laughs> you ain't got nothing. Christ living in you is your only hope because without Christ you can do nothing. And the remarkable thing about reverence for God, listen to me, the remarkable thing about reverence for God is that when you reverence God, you will reverence absolutely nothing else. But if you do not reverence God, you reverence everything else, including yourself. You become your own God. God, Jehovah, Elohim, the great I am. God is the force of all life, whether one chooses to be obedient or disobedient to his call. God is the force, listen to me, of our life. And Christ can accomplish anything he wills through you. His power, though, is limited only by the measure of your availability. If faith in Christ is the only thing that can set him free to go to work through you and in you, you've got to set him free through your faith to work in you and live in you by the power of God. You know, Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he says, I want you to pray without ceasing. And this isn't, this isn't begging or pleading with God but it's making yourself available to God in every circumstance. God wants to expose any situation that arises to the all-sufficiency of Christ. And when we fail to turn any circumstance or situation over to the all-sufficiency of Christ, we rely on ourselves. It becomes all about us. It becomes about human effort. And we deny the power of God in our lives and for that particular circumstance. We deny the power of God. In Luke 18 and 26, this is after the parable of the rich young ruler. And they that heard it said, who can be saved then? If we got to go through all of this, God, who, who can be saved then? The things which are impossible with men. Isn't that incredible? Everybody wants things to make sense. Common sense. But the things that are impossible with men that don't make any sense with man, they make sense with God. They're possible with God. Tap into that power. Tap into it. And you'll see that anything is possible with God. Let, let me give you an example with, with, with some ducks. <laughs> There's a story is told about a, a town where, where all the residents are ducks. And every Sunday the ducks waddle down the street to church 
and they waddle into the sanctuary and, and they squat in their proper pews. They squat down right there. The song leader waddles in, takes his place. The duck minister comes forward. He opens up the duck Bible. And he reads to me. You know what he says? He says, ducks, today I've got an I've got a announcement for you. God has given you wings. Wings with which you can fly. And with those wings, you can mount up and soar like eagles. There's nothing that can confine you. No walls. No fences can hold you. You have wings from God. And you can fly like birds. And all the doubts and fears of your life will be gone. And all the ducks, after the message, they shout amen. And they get up and they waddle home again. <laughs> Listen to me. The power of God can enable all of us to fly. But we've got to acknowledge that power. We've got to know that his word gives us that power. That the cross of Christ gives us that power. That the Holy Spirit gives us that power. We can fly. And God's power will grant us salvation. But we've got to acknowledge the power of God that gives us that salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God for salvation from everyone that believes, from the Jews to the Greeks. You've got to acknowledge the power of God. The gospel is a message of foolishness to those that are dying. But to those of us who are being saved, the gospel is the power of God that allows us to fly out of darkness, allows us to fly out of evil, allows us to fly out of sadness and all those things the world can throw at us. It allows us to fly above all those things that cause us pain. John chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. Thomas says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am. Oh, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I am the life. I am the power of life. And in you, in man, you have no power to come unto me. You can only come to the Father but by, by me. But by me. No man comes to the Father but by me. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, right? But Christ lives in me. How about you? How you doing with that? How you doing with Christ living in you? Because the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. By faith in the Son of God, by the power of God, I live. Because it's the love of God that, that he gave himself for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Nothing. How about you? Are you crucifying Christ afresh all over again? Christ is dying for nothing in your life? Or do you understand his ability and his power to give you the salvation for eternal life? God, let me tell you again, God, Jehovah, Elohim, the greater I am. God is the force of all life, whether you choose to obey him or disobey him. He is the force of all of our lives. I don't understand 
Our people can't acknowledge that. Science says there's solids, there's liquids, and there's gases. And the human body comprises all three. Figure that one out. God is the force of all of our lives. Not only does the human body encompass all those three, he has given us an inner man, a soul, a soul that needs saving, a soul that needs rescuing, a soul that thirsts for God, a soul that hungers for the, the very word of God, that same meek and engrafted words which can save our very souls. How are you doing with that? And in Psalm 51, David says these words. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, I want you to blot out my transgressions. Blot out all those things I've done as a human. Blot them out and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. So purge me with hyssop, and I am going to be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renewing me a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, don't take away the power, the force of life, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. Anybody been rejoicing in the salvation that God has given them? You ought to do it every waking moment in life. It's a joy to know that we are saved in Christ Jesus. It's a joy to know that at just the right time, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. It's a joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. That means he, he can't give enough of it to you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Why? By the power of Christ that lives in me. They will see it and they will want it. There will always come a time, always come a time we, we need to get our ducks in a row. And just like Isaiah said, come to our senses and allow for God's might to direct us. Allow for God's power to protect us. Allow God's wisdom for our learning. Allow looking through the lens of faith for our discernment and having God's ears that we might hear. And we need God's word, the power of God's word, to cleanse this darkness that lives within each and every one of us. It's not humanly possible to do it on your own. We're thinking too much about it. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's not about common sense. It's about the word and the will of God. We need God's word for our cleansing. First, first, first Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to God here. We're we about to get down. For the message of the cross is foolishness for the people that are dying. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
the cross is the power of God for those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than, than you or you or you or me. Even if we came together collectively, it's still stronger than human strength. Faith, faith doesn't operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. I need you to hear that. Faith in God begins where man's power and his reasoning ends. You know, Adam thought he could reason with God in the garden. God says, why did you eat the fruit, Adam? You know what his reason was? You know that woman you gave me? <laughs> That's the reason I'm again. You know that, that, that woman, God, come on, huh? But Adam was right there allowing his wife, the responsible head of his family, allowing her to eat that forbidden fruit. It was humanly possible for him to stop her, but he did not. Second Corinthians says that we put no stumbling block in anyone's path. That one's not on the board, brother. I just need y'all to listen to this one. Paul said to the church at Corinth, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. We, we, we've seen some dark days in our lives. Every last one of us have, have gone through some dark days. But I want you to listen to what, what Paul says to the church at Corinth. We commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. We commend ourselves to God. In troubles and hardships and distresses, we commend ourselves to the power of God. In beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, we commit ourselves to the power of God in understanding and in patience and in kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, we commit ourselves to the power of God in truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Though some are glory and some are dishonor, we commend ourselves to the power of God because people have bad things out there to say about us, bad reports and good reports. Some people are genuine and, and some are imposters. But we commit ourselves to the power of God. Some are known, they're famous, but they're regarded as being unknown. A lot of people are dying, he said, and yet, here's where he qualifies the power of God. He says, a lot of people are dying, and yet we live on. Why? We're beaten, but we're not killed because it's the power of God that keeps us alive. We're sorrowful. But we don't find ourselves in a downward spiral because we know the joy that comes from God. We're always rejoicing. We're poor, yet making many rich through the power of God. Listen to what he says. He says we have nothing, and because of the power of God, yet we possess everything. Isn't that incredible? I'm talking about the power of God. You have absolutely nothing, and yet, through the power of God, you possess everything. Oh, you being a good steward? With the inner man, with the spirit that comes from God, 
if you tapped into the power of God? Because all of us, in all of us, there's a force of darkness that plagues us all of the time. Paul says, yet in everything, God is the force of our lives. There's darkness in all of our lives. He says, yet in everything, God's love and power in Christ sustains us. You know, in the book of Job, in chapter 11, Zophar spoke to Job, and this is what he said to Job, something real plain and simple. You might have read over this. This is what he said. He says, Job, if you declare and you devote your heart to God and stretch out your hands to him, he says, life will be a brighter than the noonday and the darkness will become like the morning. He says, just give it to God and it's going to be all over. But you got to want that. You got to want that. You got to be willing and available to give it all to God that your life could be brighter than the noonday. We all go through things in our lives. We all suffer through darkness. We've been there. The time has come for you to come to your senses and acknowledge God as the force in your life. Stop playing these games. Stop playing church. Because I cannot be fully prepared for a life of obedience to God through Christ until I learn and acknowledge that God is the force in my life. I've got to do that. In 1 Kings chapter 18 on Mount Carmel, <laughs> Elijah looked out at the children of Israel. He says, listen, if God is God, let's serve him. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to have one foot in the world and one foot on Christ? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if you choose not to reverence God, then you reverence everything else, follow that God. That's what he said. You know what the answer was? The Bible says, but the people said absolutely nothing. They said not a word. What are you going to say? If God is God, let's serve God. And if your God is your God, then you serve him. What are you going to say about that? Is it going to be nothing? Are you going to say that I believe in God and I will serve him till the day I die? If you can say that, that, that's because Christ lives in you. That's the force of God in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. I believe in God. Paul to the church of Corinth, he says, listen, don't, don't receive God's word in vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Because in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Now is the time for God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for you to tap into that force and stop sitting on your thumbs. You know the truth of the gospel. You know how salvation will come to each and every one of us and has come. But we sit on our thumbs and we spurn every invitation of God to save our lives. Nothing out there in the world is going to save you. No church built by human standards will save your life. No doctrine that's built on human standards will save your life. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are saved only in Christ.
only in Christ. But we're all sons of God through faith, through the power of God. For as many of us as been baptized into Christ, that power, that circumcision from God, has put on Christ. So clean your heart. Clear your conscience. If you're going to serve God, let's serve him. And let's serve him the way that he asks us to serve him because there's too many people out there in the world who are telling lies about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one truth. <laughs> he was crucified, he died, was buried, and he was raised from the dead. And that truth, that message is foolishness to those who are dying, but to those who are being saved, <laughs> it is the power of God. Will you tap into the power today? Will you come? As you stand and sing God's invitation song. From your burden of sin, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Whether well, it be one day to respond to the gospel of Christ, to tap into that power to save your life, not only today, but for an eternity. There's power in the blood of Christ. Will you come? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Will there, be, will there be one to come? Will you come? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb.